Before we get started, I have a little contest to announce. As you know, we've been doing things a little bit differently on the Legal Toolkit of late. And one of the things that we're doing is I'm creating a unique Spotify playlist for every episode. This week, I've got 14 songs that mention brands or products. And we have a little contest to announce. If you contact me on Twitter or via email and tell me the products in each of those 14 songs and get them all right, you can be a guest on the next Legal Toolkit. You can reach me via Twitter at Jared Korea or via email at Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at redcavelegal.com, R-E-D-C-A-V-E-L-E-G-A-L.com. Get those submissions in by November 27th. And if you get them all right, you can be on the next show. I'll look forward to talking with you. Welcome to the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast only on the Legal Talk Network. Twice a month, we're delivering law practice management tips and tricks directly to your ear holes. My name is Jared Correa, and because Steve Allen was unavailable, I'm your host today. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys. Find us online at www.redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads. You can find out more about Gideon at www.gideon.legal. Before we get rolling, I'd like to take a moment to thank my mom for listening to every episode. Thanks, mom. I'd also like to thank our sponsors. They're the reason you're listening to this show right now. We would like to thank Alert Communications for sponsoring this podcast. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7, 365. Just call 866-827-5568. Scorpion is the leading provider of marketing solutions for the legal industry. With nearly 20 years of experience serving attorneys, Scorpion can help grow your practice. Learn more at scorpionlegal.com. Abby Connect has delivered premium live receptionist and answering services to lawyers since 2006. You can try them out for free at abbyconnect.com. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers. Providing solutions since 1999, TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small. www.timesolve.com Even as everybody sits on their respective couches, binging the Queen's Gambit on Netflix and ordering Domino's every night, or at least that's what I'm doing, and waiting to leave their homes again, lawyers remain very uncomfortable with subscription services at a variety of levels. Yes, even as the convenience economy rages around them, lawyers fiddle as the world burns. So traditionally, attorneys were very uncomfortable about subscriptions on the buy side. To that end, they were pretty unhappy with the option to move off of premise-based software, right? Lawyers loved premise-based software because they would just use those tools until they ran them into the ground, until they fell apart like an old car. Only that was never actually a good idea, because traditional law firm cost-saving measures like that only led to you using buggy products, shared user licenses, and both of those things contribute to being more inefficient. But I digress. Now, more and more law firms are adopting cloud software, and also begrudgingly paying for subscriptions on either a monthly or annual basis. So the problem now has shifted to the sell side. 
So even as smaller numbers of lawyers begin to adopt what are called subscription services, many grumble over the prospect. Others want to apply them but don't know how to do it. And still others have no clue what those even are. They haven't heard of them at all. Now, let me be clear. This is not about predicting the death of the billable hour. I'm not going down that road. I wouldn't presume to do that because the billable hour is like a cockroach. You just can't seem to kill it off. I'm out of silver bullets and wooden stakes. But even if I didn't know when the billable hour would die or will die ever, I do know that it still kind of sucks even as it lives on. So some of the major issues I see with the billable hour model are probably obvious and are as follows. So billing by the hour incentivizes inefficiency. The more hours you work, the more you get paid. I got news for you. Clients can have and will figure that out. Plus, billable hour attorneys invoice in arrears. So that means when the case is over, there's very little incentive for clients to actually pay you because you have nothing left to do for them. And that's one of the reasons lawyers are always, always chasing money. Hourly billing also, if you're not careful, can become a race to the bottom. What that means is that you're offering lower and lower prices to keep up with your competition because you're not billing on value. You're billing straight on hours. Now, that's the lawyer side. Let's look at the consumer perspective. From the consumer side, hourly rates are absolutely terrifying. So consumers are used to paying for things like Disney+. Plus. So you shell out your $72 a year. You get pretty much every piece of content that Disney has ever released. That's cheap. The value proposition is clear. But legal consumers have no clear idea about what lawyers actually do. And that perception is in part formed by years of watching content because if they don't know what lawyers do, they think lawyers are greedy and have personal problems. Watch any lawyer show. That's what you get out of it. So at that point, you're throwing an hourly billing arrangement in a consumer's face and they can quickly realize that it's uncapped. And then watch them start to sweat. So for legal consumers who don't know what you do or how long it will take you to do it, buying into that process that generates more revenue for you the longer it takes you to do something? Honestly, is it any wonder why it's really hard to convert consumers on traditional law firm payment models? So when it comes to hourly billing, I think the best advice out there is from Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore who says, the price is wrong, bitch. So what's the alternative? There are several, but let's talk about one this time around. How about subscription services? Why not try those? So essentially, subscription services for law firms work the same way that they do for technology vendors. You provide a service that's charged at a predictable rate on a monthly or annual basis. Easy, right? But the challenge is figuring out the package of services that you need to offer to make your subscription services work for you and for your clients. So some law firms will build subscription packages that have rails around them based on hourly work, right? Here's the hourly total that we're going to do for you under this billing model. Some are going to include advice and consultation options. Some are going to offer products alongside traditional legal services. And we'll talk more about products in a second. And just like phone services, like cellular packages, what you can do is you can move people up and down on pricing models based on usage. So, hey, you started out at the bronze package. Now you got to move up to the silver package because you're using more of the hours than we thought you would. So let's give a concrete example, right? Let's say you offer a package that has a certain set of hours attached to it. 
And maybe you give people who are package members like a hotline or a text number that they can reach you at directly and you respond within four hours, whatever it is, right? Maybe you release a set of courses on your practice area or people can get some asynchronous learning in on what it is that you do. Maybe you have an exclusive podcast just for those subscription holders. That sort of thing is more appealing than traditional legal services to some consumers because they get more and more consistent resources, by the way. They have more contact with lawyers as well. And that's traditionally been a problem for law firms that offer traditional pricing models. And for law firms, the fixed items I talked about, like a set of courses, a podcast, that's one and done. You produce it, you release it. That's easier than providing continuing services in a lot of ways. And it's a nice adjunct to continuing services. So the same things that make subscription services appealing to other industries should make them appealing to lawyers. It's the kind of fixed price offering that modern consumers lust after. And still, lawyers only dabble in subscription services. They cut the cord too quickly, and then they complain that it would never work in my practice area. I've seen subscription services work with particular effect in law firms that serve as outside counsel to businesses because those businesses are starting to root out lawyer inefficiency and they largely prefer fixed costs. So that's an easier sell. But subscription legal services can work in any practice area where lawyers have control of their pricing. So we're talking about not contingency, not practices in which you've got statutory billing requirements, but everywhere else you can make it work. And the challenge lies in figuring out what the right value prop is. But that's also the most exhilarating part for an attorney if you look at it that way. There's no template, which means that you can make the template. The mix is different for each individual practice, sure, and it's easier to create a subscription model if your firm specializes in something like outside counsel services, but it's definitely not impossible to manage a similar trick for other practice areas. You might have to experiment a little bit before you get the price point right, but the long-term value is worth the effort. So in the battle for the soul of legal pricing, subscription services are a great option for law firms. They can also provide value to clients and lawyers. And it's a tactic lawyers should employ more often, even if they're doing it in conjunction with traditional billing models. There are law firms out there that have had success using value billing models, by the way, for a long time, for years. But it's still such a novel concept for the most part that it continues to represent a significant competitive advantage for lawyers that want to try it out. And that's a market inefficiency, if I've ever seen one. Now, stay tuned. Next, we're going to talk to Dorna Moyni of Document, our guest today, about another alternative pricing lever for lawyers, productization. Hard to say, easier to apply. That's next. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both Spanish and English. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com slash LTN. Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things your law firm can have. And Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. 
Okay, everybody. Let's get to the thin-cut fried bologna in the middle of the sandwich. I had a lot of fried bologna growing up. Let's interview our guest. My guest today is Dorna Moyni of Documate. Dorna, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm very good, Jared. Thank you for having me. Good. Thanks for joining us. So I talked a little bit about who you are. I gave your name and your place of work. Can you tell people a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I am now the founder of Documate. And at its core, Documate is a document automation platform, but it's really much more. What we do is we allow lawyers to build full-fledged legal products without using code or hiring a developer. So the easiest analogy is that we allow you to build a TurboTax for anything so you can build client-facing legal products. Excellent. I want to get to that because I think you do have an interesting model and talk generally about productization. But let's start with congratulations being in order for you, I think, right? You guys just won the Clio Launch Code competition. We did. Actually, I have the check just came in the mail. It's sitting on my desk right here. It's too big for the mobile Is deposit. it a big check? Or it's a is very it like... medium, normal size check. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Did you also get to keep like the large size check they gave you? No, because because of COVID, there was no real event. Oh, right. So... There was no large size check. <laughs> yes. The virtual large size check. I was talking to the folks at Case Text who won last year, and I was like, all I wanted to do was be on that stage with that giant check that you can't hold. Well, that, hopefully they'll mail you the check and then maybe next year you'll get some kind of formal presentation. But hey, the money's the same. So let's get into like the, the launch code. The key, so first of all, like for people who don't know, what is Clio launch code and why did you decide to do it? Other than the obvious 100,000 reasons. Yeah, so we were going to integrate with Clio anyway, because a lot of our clients were asking for integrations with Clio. As I said, our, our platform allows you to really build full legal products, but it also allows you to kind of change the way that you practice so that you can give limited scope representation and then transition that into full scope representation at later stages. So that requires you to sort of have more of a full legal practice management system um, if you're right. going to have the full scope representation. And what a lot of our clients were asking was, can you pass this data into Clio or can you pull data that's already in Clio into Documate? So we built out the integration anyway, and we decided, well, why not apply to the launch code competition where Clio looks at all the different integrations that they have and kind of decides which ones are the best. So it's been really good for us. I mean, obviously $100,000 is really nice to have, yeah, um, but yeah. it's also just been a really great partnership with Clio and having them support us and partner with us and having the platform that they've provided us. Yeah, that's all. And what is it, six competitors? Um, there year? were there are five finalists who five finalists, actually present right. at Launch Code from all the people who participate in the competition. And then it's just grappling to the death, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We we had, well, had congratulations. And... You were the sole survivors, like Hunger Games. Exactly. <laughs> now you just give a presentation, everybody. Don't be concerned. Dorn is safe. All the other vendors are safe. All right. So let's let's talk about first the launch code funds, right? Like how are you gonna spend that money? Lots of coffee at Starbucks? Yeah. So we are tons of coffee. <laughs> Lots of coffee. <laughs> um, we, we're probably really just going to put it back into the company and do what we're doing already because we're building a lot of new features for our clients, specifically lots of data integrations that are coming up with allowing you to push and pull your data and analyze your data in new ways. And so really it's, it's money that we were already spending that we're now, we now have to spend. 
you have more of it to spend. Excellent. Exactly. Well, congratulations again. That's a that's a big deal. Although but I think what our is team wants th- VR headsets. That's what they've said. They're like, we're we're oh. remote. Let's get VR headsets and do all of our meetings through VR. So that's I have a been feeling that those are going to be out. abused. However, I mean, it's it's worth it, right? They work hard. Exactly. Even if they're playing PlayStation on that, like half the time. <laughs> well, congratulations, Sirius. What is that? Like the third launch code? You're the third winner? I think, I think. it is. Yes. It was Tally, yeah. then Case Text, then us. See, I sometimes pay attention. All right. Yeah. <laughs> enough about that. You got your money. Congrats. Let's talk about this notion of productization, which you discussed. And I kind of want to get there a little bit because what we could do, right, is we could talk about how document assembly makes lawyers more efficient, how important efficiency is to law firm revenue, yada, yada, yada. I feel like that's been done, right? People have talked about that. So let's talk about this notion of document assembly, document automation as a client-facing tool, right? Because people don't really think of it that way. Generally speaking, like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so productization is, to me at least, um, as a lawyer, we traditionally take our services and do them on an hourly rate for one client or for a few clients. And what that poses is really a cap on our revenue because we either have a certain billable hourly rate that we can't raise that much more or a certain number of hours that we can work per week, which in my experience, lawyers probably have reached the maximum there as well. So what you do through productization is turn that information and that that expertise that you have into a product that you can license to a larger audience of consumers. And it becomes much more scalable. It's sort of like that, you know, people always say, making money while you sleep. That's hopefully what productization does <laughs> right. for you. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. So I think like people, when they think of products and traditionally products have been like things, right? I feel like um, I was looking the other day and I was reading like this old article from like The Economist where somebody had defined like a product as something that you could like stub your toe on. But now a lot of products are virtual products, right? And a lot of products like kind of dovetail into service as well. So have you found like a cognizable definition for products for law firms? Documents being an obvious one. Are there other examples you can think of? Applications you see lawyers utilizing to build out products where maybe they haven't before? Or is this like the start of something that's going to get a lot bigger? Yeah, I think there's kind of a huge range of types of products that you can build. Some of them are already out there at pretty high volumes. Like if you think at the most basic level of product, I would think even just the content that you have on your blog, checklists that you've provided to your clients, just basic information that's on your website. That's level one. Could be defined as products, yes. Exactly, yeah. Because products don't necessarily need to be something that you're monetizing from immediately. They could be, I think when, at least what what we talk about with our clients is, you should, when you're building a product, you should either be thinking about monetizing it as a standalone product or as a marketing tool. So it could be a lead gen tool that is- Building revenue later, right? Exactly, yeah. You're building your credibility, you're building your brand, and when those people actually want legal services, they're gonna come to you. So that's kind of the first level, but it goes all the way through products where you're doing some of the work in-house, but you're generating some of those documents and that work through technology. Then you may have pieces where you're collaborating with clients for that data. So it might be something that's more of like a client intake that you're sending out to your clients, but then you're really manufacturing that product all in, in-house, um, but you've made them part of that process. Subscription form sites are another good example. You can range right. from, you know, you can charge someone $10 a month up to, you know, thousands of dollars a month, depending on what the scope of the project is. 
The TurboTax model is another where you have that, that's kind of like compiling all these prior topics that we just talked about all into one. You know, you're providing the information, you're providing that rules-based system, and you're giving them the document. And then I think after that, it's really just packaged services. So mm-hmm. taking a combination of technology, maybe your some hourly rate services and I haven't seen anyone do this yet, but I've always thought like, why not package that up with like court reporting services and other professions that aren't even necessarily just the lawyers. Right. So like, what's really interesting here is that we're talking about all the applications in place here, but the percentage of law firms that actually do this is really small. And if you look in legal tech, generally, not necessarily lawyers specifically, you've got a company like LegalZoom, right? That's been around for forever, worth tons of money. And they're doing similar things like products, documents, also attaching that to service, right? If you're somebody who's a client or a customer of LegalZoom, you can get access to a lawyer if you want that. So why, and I feel like I ask this every week, why have lawyers been so late in adopting this? Like, why couldn't lawyers have done that? There's no reason law firms can't do LegalZoom, right? Definitely. I mean, I'm going to give you some anecdotal an anecdotal response, but I think oh, it's good. because Let's of the fear. Let's do story time. This is exciting. Fear. All <laughs> I right. think it's because of the fear. All, all, because... The basis for all the best fairy tales. <laughs> exactly. Fear. Go. <laughs> exactly. Because in the early, when we had first started, I got a lot more questions about, can I do this? Is this legal? Am I forming an attorney-client right. relationship every time I put something on the internet? Right. Whereas so now, risk-averse. those questions are going down. Less yeah. people are, I get, I don't, I don't think I've gotten that question at all in the past two weeks. So no, that question is being asked. People are like, there's a pandemic on, I got to get mine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, LegalZoom has also fought a lot of these battles across right. the country in multiple states and is continuing to operate. Right, right. Which law firms could not have done necessarily, like, like an individual law firm could not have waged like a national legal battle to get this stuff looking more viable from the perspective, of course. I think those are all great points, by the way. But what it sounds like you're saying in part, and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, is that this is a good time for law firms to do this because this environment's a little bit more mature than it has been. Yeah, and also everything is just all over the place right now. Everything that we're doing is new. Nothing is is, <laughs> right. is the norm. So I think both lawyers and clients are more willing to experiment with new models because they're realizing that we're living in a new world. Yes, for the most part. Many are. Many are not. So I hope folks out there are listening to you. So let's talk about this from a logistical perspective, right? This is more conceptual. Like, can you do it? Should you do it? Would you do it? How do you do it? Part of the deal here is that if you're gonna utilize a document generation tool is a client-facing tool in some way. Part of it is collecting data from sources, collecting data from clients, spitting out an output on the other end. So how does that work? Yeah. So on Documate, the way that that works is you come onto the platform and you create a series of questions. So I don't know if I've told you this before, but the idea for Documate came from my own practice and I wanted to build out a tool for domestic violence survivors, which I, who I was representing at the uh-huh. time, pro bono. That's so noble of you. I had not heard that story before. <laughs> oh, okay. Good for you. Yeah, so I 
am not an engineer and I didn't know how to build that out on my own, <laughs> but I did have on a Word document, which engineers just balk at when they see that I had this all on a Word document. You're like, I have an Excel spreadsheet for you. <laughs> exactly. I was like, here's a bullet point that shows where the logic is inserted. But I had a document with all the logic that I wanted for this kind of turbo tax for domestic violence survivors. And I gave it to my hmm. now co-founder and I was like, let's build this turbo tax for domestic violence survivors. We built that, but that's what Documate is now, is it allows you, instead of handing it over to an engineer, to just input it into the Documate system yourself to create this without ever hiring an engineer. So you create a series of questions, you add logic to all of those questions, conditional logic mm -hmm. to say, I want certain questions to appear or not appear, depending on how prior questions were answered. It takes you down different decision tree paths um, to really build an expert system there. And then you connect those all to the documents. It doesn't matter how complex those right. documents are, whether they're Word documents, PDF documents, you can add all kinds of logic and calculations in there as well. And then you launch to your clients. And then the client piece of it, right, is the last part of it I want to discuss. Can you do it? How do you do it? How do consumers respond? So it seems to me this hits legal consumers where they are, right? They want speed, they want expediency, they want to be able to pay less for legal services. And this is a more transparent process and consumers don't necessarily understand legal process like lawyers do. So from my perspective, this hits a lot of boxes as far as legal consumers are concerned. Has that been your experience? Do you find that this is valuable for law firms in terms of building lasting client relationships, in terms of like how they market their practices? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that it's especially nice when the law firm provides the product and gives the client options as to what they want. So you provide your DIY service where someone can come onto your website and do everything on their own. And then you also provide the full-fledged legal communication and interaction and hourly service alongside that so that if the client is the type of client who wants to go to the grocery store and check out on their own, they have their option. If they're the type of right. person who wants to chat with you a little bit more, then they have that option. And yep. that brings them into their comfort level. I mean, it's a lot of where like legal design thinking think comes from is thinking about the client and their environment and their needs. And if you provide both of those, those become long lasting relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some great points. Well, Dorna, I could talk to you all day, as you know, and we've worked together here and there. I'm very happy to see your success. So seriously, congratulations on that. But we've run out of time. So thanks so much to Dorna Moyni of Documate for being our guest today. Dorna, can you remind people about who you are, what you do, and how you can be contacted? Yes, I can be found at uh, Twitter, at DocumateLaw is our handle. I monitor all that, so you can message us there. You can also email me at Dorna at Document.org. We are .org. We don't have the .com unless you want Xerox to hand that over to us. Um, and our <laughs> website is www.document.org. Awesome. Thanks again. So we're going to take one more final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Your legal work requires your full attention. So how can you build lasting relationships with new or existing clients while juggling your caseload? Try Abby Connect the friendly, highly trained, and motivated live receptionists who are well-known for providing consistent quality customer service and support to law firms just like yours. Every connection matters. So call Abby Connect today at 833-ABBY-WOW 
to get started with your free 14-day trial and $95 off your first bill. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. That's www.timesolvelevoffthee.com. Remember, that's T-I-M-E-S-O-L-V.com. Welcome to the rear end of the Legal Toolkit, the Rump Roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics, games, trivia of my choosing. Today, we're going to bring back our guest, Dorna Moyni of Documate, for some trivia. How are you feeling, Dorna? Are you ready? I'm ready, but you know, I was a little bit terrified about the trivia portion. That's okay. I think it's okay to be terrified. You've eased my mind, maybe. Use, <laughs> use your fear. Okay. So, <laughs> as you will have heard, Dorna, audience, Alex Trebek, the late, great, longtime host of Jeopardy, who seemed to be hitting his stride at 80 years old with like the whole goat competition, he just passed away. Sadness all around. So, I wanted to play, yeah, RIP, Alex. So, I wanted to play a quick round of Jeopardy in his honor. So in order to fit our time constraints, what I've done is tweak this a little bit. I'm going to offer Dorna five double Jeopardy categories at the usual dollar amount, and we'll see how she does. So quick aside, about 15 years ago, my wife and I and my sister-in-law, we kind of crashed a retirement community in Florida, and I like absolutely ran the table on these old people in Jeopardy, and they were so mad. I almost didn't get out alive, but I have my lifetime subscription to the Denture Cream company to satiate any issues that a I fair have fight? uh no but and i haven't needed denture cream as of yet so if anybody needs them just let me know so categories category number one potent potables for 200 famous horsemen for 400 the pen is mightier for 600 beatles lyrics for 800 current u.s presidents for uh, actually, I, I, I'm not even going to touch that one. Let's do something else. Current. Potpourri for a thousand. Dorna, do you have a category you would like to I'm pick? I'm going to go big. I'm going to go potpourri for a thousand. Potpourri for a thousand. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to keep track of your score, by the way. No pressure. Okay. The answer. I'm going to do a terrible Alex back, but we're going to go with it anyway. This haircut got its name from its popularity among rowers, especially at Ivy League colleges what is the mullet oh good guess but i didn't say southern colleges no i'm sorry my southern friends <laughs> crew cut the crew cut ah uh, the crew team i'm keeping I, track I of your score in zoom the as crew well cut was a was a haircut i thought it was just a t-shirt cut <laughs> oh like crew t-shirts <laughs> oh, all right okay we're all over the board here i like it in the true spirit of potpourri all right so that wasn't the best start but let's keep going you got you, that, got, you can make up this 1, money that I see yeah there? sorry that, sorry okay. i had to really you starting off at a... you, you got the question wrong <laughs> this is like this is sort of like golf like mini golf you know i just right. aim for the highest score <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do that we'll turn it around all right what do you got next for me let's start at the at the early end and do potent potables for 200 potent potables for 200. The answer is in 1960, this brewery introduced Harp Lager. Oh my goodness. He said these would be easy. I don't even know breweries. I don't you drink You don't drink beer. enough. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a guess. You want a hint? I'll give you a hint. 
All right, let's Harp, say... Harp is an Irish beer. Oh, why is it escaping my mind? I've been to the brewery in Dublin. Oh, man. Guinness. Yes. What is Guinness? <laughs> Guinness is correct. All right, you're on the board. All right, mine is 800 now. Yep. Next, next you, got, you still got Famous Horseman, The Pen is My Dear, and Beatles lyrics on the board. Let's do Famous Horseman for 400. Famous Horseman for 400. The answer is, from a word meaning adventurer or vagabond, these were the Russian army's elite horsemen. Who were they? Uh... <laughs> Super easy questions, right? <laughs> Super easy. You told me not to be worried. <laughs> I know, I lied. <laughs> I have no idea, honestly. I don't know. Ready? Some... The Cossacks. Cossacks. Oh my gosh, I should have known this because I just watched Borat. Mm, sorry. But I guess sorry. everything you see in Borat, you think it's fake. Right. The so Cossacks I didn't think real. that was a real that thing. Is not, that is not fake. All right. You still got time to redeem yourself. You got two questions left. We've got Beatles lyrics and the pen is mightier. All right, let's do the pen is mightier. Okay. The pen is mightier for 600. All right, you can redeem yourself here a little bit as well. I have a theme here. We got another Irish question. All right, here we go. Answer. Virginia Woolf and this famous Irish author were both born in 1882 and both died in 1941. This is my, fa <laughs> this is my, this is my favorite author. So that probably doesn't mean anything to you. But. Who is James Joyce? Yes. James <laughs> Joyce, author of Finnegan's Wake. Okay. Last question for you is Beatles lyrics for 800. And fortunately for you, it's a daily double. You currently sit oh, at negative 600. Oh, excellent. <laughs> wager whatever you would like. Uh, let's say up to 2,000. I'm going to wager the full 2,000 here. All right, I'm going to give you 2,000 to wager on Beatles lyrics. Here we go. Answer. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a this. It's working like a dog, sleeping, sleeping like a log. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Excellent. My All sister right, would be proud. She's she's very into the Beatles and would be really disappointed if I didn't know songs. I love the Beatles. My wife hates the Beatles, though. I don't get it. All right. Who hates so, the Beatles? I know. I know. The good news is you're at plus 1,400 now. And now it's time for Final Jeopardy. Are you ready for the Final Jeopardy question? I'm ready. The category is horsies. And the question is, are horsies pretty? Sounds like a trick question. <laughs> I'm going to have to think on this one. <laughs> It's not, what is it's not yes? a trick question. Yes, <laughs> horses are pretty. I forgot to ask you what you're going to wager, so we're going to give you 2800 and double it. Oh, excellent. I, I love it. All right. Just cheating. Hey, you finished up with like 3000 That's really impressive. That's really impressive, given the, the, the terrible start. Yeah, you just redeemed yourself terrifically. So add that to your Clio total, right? 103000 <laughs> Legal Tight Network will have a checkout to you. Sorry, sorry. They're going to pull me off the air if I say that. Okay, you did a great job. But anyway, Dorna... You've been a lot of fun. You were a good sport. Thank you for playing and thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much, Sherrod, for having me. My pleasure. All right. That'll do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast, where we always answer in the form of a question.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.